0: Well, it is uh, so good to be back with you all if if you don't know who I am, my name is Zach Thompson. I'm on staff here. The last two weeks, I got to go to our other campuses. We are a church plant of Calvary Bible Church, the original location in Boulder. Then the next plant was an Erie, and then we just opened a little over a year and a half ago. It was so encouraging to get to go and, and see these other churches and, and hear of how they've been praying for us and supporting us, and so, so it's so encouraging uh, to get to receive that and, and bring that back to you all as well, that you have been prayed for by two other campuses constantly and repeatedly, and so it's so great to get that nourishment. But it's good to be back, and and especially at this time when there is a lot that is going on. We are playing favorites between our two services for the next three weeks. Uh, The next two weeks, you guys are our favorites. You have to change very little, Uh, just your SBF numbers maybe and bring in a chair, as we are taking things outside for the next two weeks. August 7th, August 14th, we have one service at 9 a.m., And uh, bring a lawn chair for that. We'll get to worship outside. There's a lot that's good about this. We get to meet as both services together, uh, reminding ourselves that we are one church in this building. Uh, We get to give our kids' ministry a break so they can catch their breath before launching into the fall. Uh, And we get to to worship in our community, in our neighborhood. And last year when we did this, we saw people walking up, seeing what was happening, and and join the church from that. So next two weeks, bring a lawn chair, 9 a.m. service uh we are outside at uh for the 7th and 14th at 9am And then on the 21st, second service will be our favorite service. As directly following that, we will have uh, a time for us to get excited for what God will do in this next ministry season. It is our fall kickoff. We'll have some food. We'll potentially have some ice cream and eat a lot of stuff, play games together, get excited about what God has done in this past year. Look forward to what he might do in the next one. So a lot coming up. uh, Lawn services next two weeks, 9A. You don't have to change your service time, but then on the 21st, ask you to come back after second service so we can eat way too much food together. A lot going on, but excited about our our uh, service that we get to have as we worship God together. And, and as I've uh, prepped this message, uh, I, I was thinking about how fortunate I feel to have such great relationship with my in-laws. Uh, this this summer, uh, back in June, we, for a week, got to spend time with them, And it was such a good time of of rest and community. My my in-laws are two of the most generous and loving people that I've ever met. In in particular, I'm close with my father-in-law. He's a pastor out in California. And so whenever I have questions about uh, ministry, or I don't know what to do, or I feel completely inadequate, happens about every 12 minutes or so. uh, Grateful to have Pastor Tom and Gary and Thomas and John, people at the other two campuses of Calvary that I can uh, always call, but I'm also grateful to have Todd, my father-in-law, who is always so generous in giving me his time of taking my phone calls, of giving me his wisdom of talking me down off the metaphorical ledge. I feel so fortunate to have such a great relationship with my in-laws because I know that's not the case for everyone. Being an in-law, or in fact, having an in-law, it can be a very difficult relationship to have. And I I know I'm not breaking any new ground on this. It took Google 0.48 seconds to find 23 million pages containing in-law jokes. It's a tough relationship to have, to maintain. And yet it can be such a beautiful one as well. I have felt the effects of that. And yet what I have received from my in-laws pales in comparison to what Moses has received from his. We're doing this series that we're calling Unsung Heroes, looking at the examples of faith of people that are recorded down for us, people that we might not have even, even heard of before, or maybe we've heard of them, but, but they don't readily come to mind. And as we look at these unsung heroes, we too want to be people of faith. How can we follow their example of faith that they leave for us? Today we're going to look at the example of faith of the life of a man named Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. And we read about him in Exodus 18, as, as Sharon has read for us already. I do want to catch us up in the story so we know what has happened to get us to Exodus 18. So God has selected one nation, one people group, the Israelites, Israel, to be his people through whom all the world might know that he is the one true God. And he has cared for his people. He's protected them. He's loved them. And no more is this, is this uh, easily seen than when a famine strikes the land. And how will his people survive this? Well, God provides a way for them to be protected, provides a home for them in Egypt, the most powerful nation at the time, where there is food aplenty. But then some time passes And then more time passes. And all the while, Israel as a nation has been growing, becoming more numerous, much to the fear of Egypt, who's looking out the corner of their eye and wondering, what if they turn on us? What if they conquer us? And so instead, Egypt turns Israel into their slaves. They treat them poorly, making them do all the jobs that they don't want to do themselves. And God's people cries out to God for rescue. And God will indeed rescue them. He does so by raising up this man, Moses, who will go to Pharaoh and demand that he let his people go. But along the way, Moses does something a little bit interesting. He has his wife and his two sons, and he sends them away, sends them to Jethro, his father in law. And we see in this a little bit of the character of this man, Jethro, that he is a man of trust, he's a man of good integrity. And we see this most clearly when when Moses does rescue the people. They come out of Egypt. They they make it through this most powerful nation at the time. And Jethro goes to give his family back. Think of this. I I can only imagine as a parent what this must be like. How much trust does it take to go and give your daughter back to your son-in-law who just made himself public enemy number one of the most powerful nation on, on the planet? Think of the trust that it takes as you know he is going to set up a home in a faraway nation. This might be the last time you ever get to see your grandkids. Think of the trust that this takes. And yet we see what Jethro is like. He's a man who trusts his son-in-law, trusts what he has done. But the biggest piece uh, comes to us in Exodus 18, verse 1. Let me read that for us. It says, Jethro, a priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. So Jethro has this trust to go and return his daughter, to entrust him again into this man, Moses, to entrust his grandsons back to this man, Moses, because of what he hears God has done. And hearing all that God has done of building the trust in what this God has done through this man, it is only upon hearing that, that that is when he goes to uh, to bring them back to Moses. Yes, he trusts in Moses, but he trusts more in what God has done through him. That is what causes him to go. That is what causes him to bring them back. And we, we hear, uh, get to this little account that Sharon read for us of Jethro going and, and uh, talking with Moses and Moses treats him honorably and tells him even more of what it is that God has done. He tells him story after story of God's power and goodness and faithfulness. He would have told him how uh, they were in Egypt and God fought for them. He rescued them from this people and then Pharaoh changes his mind and, and pursues them again and God fights for them once more and, and after miracle after miracle, he continues to protect and save his people. And then they're in the wilderness and there's no food to be found. So God miraculously feeds this entire nation that he has. And there's no water to be found in this desert wilderness. But God provides for his people. And he tells story after story of God's example of faithfulness and goodness and power and protection. Jethro hears all of these stories and the effect is near immediate. Let me reread for us what we heard earlier. Exodus uh, eighteen. Verses 10 through 11, Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hands of Pharaohs and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods gods. He hears these stories of what God has done. He hears of his faithfulness, his goodness, his power, and he turns and he puts his trust in this God. He puts his faith in this God. He then goes and worships. He offers a sacrifice to this God that he now knows is greater than all others. We Summarize the book of Exodus to this, uh, this point, which I'm, I'm sure you're all grateful for. I uh, imagine you don't want me to read all 17 chapters that came before this, but we do miss something when we skip over those. When we look at the response of Jethro of hearing these stories and putting his trust in this God, it, it stands in sharp contrast to how Israel, God's people, reacted. They don't need to be told these stories. They saw them firsthand, and yet Israel has had exactly one reaction since their saving, complaint. Where is the food? Where is the water? Things were better back when we were slaves. Did God just bring us out to this desert to die? We could have just done that in, in Egypt. They have all of these stories Uh, all of these things that they saw God do in front of them, and yet they complain constantly. And yet we look at Jethro. Jethro, who isn't even part of God's people. He's an outsider. He's a Midianite from the land of Midian. But beyond that, he's a priest of Midian. Did you catch that job title that he has? means his job was pointing people away from the one true God. His job was offering sacrifices on behalf of the Midianites to other gods, and yet he hears these stories. He doesn't see them. He doesn't experience them. He hears these stories, and he says, Now I know the Lord is greater than all other gods. This isn't the main point of the passage, but doesn't this just show us the power of telling stories? the power of, of showing each other what God has done, who he is, what he's like, what he's accomplished on our behalf. And this is what we want to be about as a church. It's why uh, a few weeks ago we had uh, the kids who were part of Kids Week come up to this very stage and, and sing songs that they were using to worship God throughout the week. This, this wasn't a performance. This wasn't for us to say, oh, look how cute the kids look. This, this wasn't anything like that. It was to remind us God worked the week previous. God was present. God was working in the lives of kids and the volunteers who were here to make this happen. God was at work in, in that week. We've had a couple times where a few of our high school students who went to El Salvador came up and, and talked what they were going to do, what they did do. It wasn't to show pictures of what things are like in El Salvador. It was to show that God is working in El Salvador but we are people who can get so easily focused in our own worlds that, and as we do so, it, it, there, there can be discouragement that comes from that. Is God even working? Does God even care? Is he, is he even active? And in the moments that we are missing that, we need the stories of the proof that God is at work around us to remind us, to draw us closer to him, to strengthen our faith in him. What do we miss out on when we do not tell the stories of who God is and what he has done? It's in using these that, that God strengthens people's faith, that he brings people to faith. We see it in our lives. We see it in the life of this church. We see it in the life of Jethro. Now, not the point of the passage, so you can have that one for free. I'm supposed to be saying, uh, what is this example of faith that Jethro leaves for us? Well, let's, let's hop back into Exodus 18 in verse 13. So the next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. So the next day, so the very day after Jethro starts to put his trust in this God, the very day after he hears all of what this God has done and and believes in him and worships him, the very day after he turns from being a priest of Midian to being a follower of this God, we have this account of Moses judging the people. This was a very common act at the time, and really for a long time throughout human history until governments became a bit more complex. When two people had a dispute that they couldn't resolve themselves, they would take that dispute to the leader who would then weigh in on it and give a judgment. Uh, We see this elsewhere in the Bible as as Solomon Solomon wisely judges between these two women who both claim that this son is theirs. We we see it in just about every medieval movie that's ever existed as as a king is, is holding court. But remember what it is that we've said about this people Israel. These are the people who saw firsthand God's power and his faithfulness and goodness and still found every reason to complain about it imagine what kind of disputes they have towards each other if they have that many complaints about God. His tent is too close to mine. She took my manna. It's probably just like what it was for me when I was a kid's pastor, except for the people complaining have more facial hair. And, And the text itself makes this point clear. It says, from morning until evening, Moses is judging between the people. There are so many cases that not only can Moses not get to all of them, he can't get to anything else. He has been called by God to be the leader over this entire nation. He's been called by God to be the prophet, to tell the people what God is saying to them. He is by called by God to be an intermediary between God and the people. But all he has time to do is be an intermediary between the people and the people. And so he's missing out on what it is that God has called him to do because all of his time is filled up with judging between these individuals. And here's where we see Jethro's example of faith. Because as we look at this account in Exodus 18, what we learn is that faith produces wisdom. Faith produces wisdom. The ability to know and do what is right in God's sight. Because Jethro, this man who's just put his trust in this God, we will see that trust, that faith worked out in his life as wisdom. He sees his son-in-law, Moses, who is doing something that is very unwise, which is not the right thing for him to be doing. Now, stick with me on this. I can can hear you already. I've already acknowledged not everyone has a great relationship with their in-laws. And I can hear you saying, oh, of course, of course. He spends one day there, and already he thinks that he knows better. But that's not what's going on with Jethro. Jethro trusts in his God, and that faith that he has produces wisdom. And this wisdom comes out in three different parts, in humility, in boldness, and correction. Jethro shows us that faith produces wisdom, which works itself out in our lives as humility and boldness and correction. So let's look at his humility. This is verse 14. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening? See, Jethro does not assume that he knows better. Jethro does not think that he is wise and Moses is not. Instead, he asks a question. He seeks understanding. He comes with humility to try to understand what is it that's going on here. See, the thing about coming out guns blazing is it causes people to become defensive, to not want to listen to us. And it doesn't leave much alive to actually put in practice what we're saying they should do. But humility counteracts that. And it allows room for us to be wrong, for us to miss something. See, if we offer advice, but not knowing the whole picture, we can give bad advice or even uh, harmful advice. But Jethro comes with humility. Maybe he's missing something. So he asks the question, maybe maybe God told him that he has to be the one and only him to judge between these cases here. Maybe there is a reason why every single dispute amongst every single person in an entire nation falls upon one person to handle all of that. Maybe maybe there's something that he's missing. And so out of his humility that comes from his wisdom, that comes from his faith, that comes from his God, he asks this question. Why are you doing things this way? And Moses gives him an answer. Well, he is the leader. God has called him to be the leader of these people. It has to be upon him. It is his role to help people know what what God's law is. So he has to be the one judging between all of these cases. He has to be the one and only the one who is solving all of these issues amongst the people. And we see something in Moses that we see happen far too often amongst leaders, don't we? So one of the things that we see with leaders is that when there's pressure, well, pressure often obscures our priorities. When things get really difficult, say when, I don't know, leading an entire nation of God's people, when things are really difficult, well, it has our, sh- our eyes shift from that which is most important to that which is most immediate, most at hand, or most annoying? Let's just solve this so it can go away. And Moses has been called by God to be the leader, the prophet, the intermediary between God and the people, and yet he has shifted from that to merely judge between disputes. But we see something else that that Moses does here that that we often see in leaders. When someone gets that little bit of power, that little bit of authority, it has the ability to grow and grow until they're the only one with the power, the only one with the authority Moses has certainly been called by God to lead the people there is no denying that whatsoever but is God really so limited that all leadership must fall upon one person and this is not what Moses has been called for he's been called to this very unique role but he's not able to do that cuz his whole time is spent solving these disputes He says all of this leadership has to fall upon him. God has called him to do this. He has to be the one and only the one to do this. But Jethro does not buy that answer. This wisdom that comes from his faith allows him to speak to his son-in-law with boldness. This is verses 17 and 18. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. What you are doing is not good. What boldness does it take to say that to this man, Moses? Remember, as we're reading the story, yesterday in the story, the day when when, uh, Jethro heard all that God has done through this person, uh, yesterday in the story when he heard all the work that God has done through Moses, and now he's turning around and saying that he is doing something that's not right. Think of the boldness that it takes. Uh, so, Moses, I know you've said that uh, God just defeated the most powerful army through you, and, and he's providing miraculous food and, and water for an entire nation in the middle of a desert, and, and it all came from a desert rock, and all you had to do was hit it with a stick, and that's where all the water came from. And, and every single enemy that's gone against you, God has defeated uh, in incredible ways. But, um, you know, you're wrong. Think of the boldness that it takes to say that to this man that God has so clearly worked through. And yet Jethro does not shy away from that. He sees Moses doing something that that is not wise, that God has not called him to do. And so he boldly speaks up to this man, despite only following this God for a day, despite hearing all that God has done through him. Now this phrase, what you are doing is not good, is one that Moses must have heard thousands of times as the people of Israel constantly were telling him that he was doing wrong, that he could be doing things better differently, that he clearly didn't know what he was doing. He's messing up all the time. But that's not what Jethro does. In his wisdom, he comes with humility, with boldness, and now he brings correction. You see, for wisdom, it's not enough to say that something isn't good, it's not enough to say that something isn't wise. Wisdom instead points to the good and better way. And we see that in, in this plan that Jethro gives to him. He, he offers this solution to divvy up some of the responsibility. Never does he deny that, that Moses has been called the leader over these people. Never does he negate that, that God has clearly done some incredible work through this man. It was hearing of the incredible work that God has done through this man that brought Jethro to faith the day before. But what Jethro is saying is that Moses is slipping from that. He's given this power, this authority, this role, but that has grown and grown until he's the only one, the only one in this leadership position. That he was given this unique responsibility from God to to do, but he's not able to do it because he's solving problems. And so he offers this plan to divvy up the load is what we read in verses 21 and 22. 22. More, uh, so Jethro's advice, moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, and hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they can, shall decide for themselves, so it will be easier for you, so they will bear the burden with you. So he gives this plan to divvy up the load and what I think is probably the most important verse of this entire passage is, is verse 23. What would happen if he does that? He says, well, if you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So essentially he's saying, Moses, you want to do this role God has called you to. You want to lead the people well. You want them to know what what God's way says for them to do. You want them to know God's law, but you haven't been able to do any of that. You haven't been able to do this role that God has uniquely called you to because you're solving problems that you can get men of good character to help you carry this load. You want to be following God's will, but you're missing that by focusing too much on this task instead. You're missing what God has called you to. Now, throughout this entire passage, we, we could possibly say, well, how do we know that this is wisdom that's coming from his faith? How do we, how do we know that, that, that that's the lesson that we're really learning from this? Maybe, maybe Jethro is just a wise man. We saw him trust in Moses before he trusted in God. Maybe he's just a, a man of good character. He was in a leadership position before this. Maybe he's just passing on some of what he's learned as being a leader. But verse 23 tells us the purpose and source of this wisdom, and that's God. That God has worked through this man who was a priest in Midian to bring Moses, who was his prophet over Israel, back to God's direction. If you do this, and only if you do this, God will direct you because he has slipped from God's direction before this. He was filling his time with things that God has not called him to, he was missing this unique position that God had for him. And God uses this man, Jethro, who was not trusting in him yesterday, who was not worshiping him before yesterday, to bring back Moses back into his direction. And the results of this are near immediate because of Jethro's faith in his God, because of the wisdom that came out from his faith, because of how he approached Moses with humility, with boldness, with bringing correction, we see Moses puts this in place, that he is no longer spending all of his days solving disputes, but he is freed up to do what it is that God has actually called him to. And two chapters following this, in Exodus chapter 20, Moses is so freed up that he's able to go up the mountain and receive from God the Ten Commandments. It, it's such an important passage. It's not just because of how memorable it is or, or how uh, it, it's, a, it's a section that people who don't even go to church know about the giving of the Ten Commandments, but it's, it foreshadows the future that God promises for us, that there will be a day that he doesn't just give his law on tablets, but he writes his law on every person who trusts in him heart. That we will not need people to judge between disputes, but we will know from God himself what is right in his ways. That we will not need other people to tell us what, what is the wise thing to do because we will have God himself leading us. And we get that picture of this glorious future that we have for us that begins to be foreshadowed on Exodus 20 and we miss out on that completely if Moses is still down the mountain, if he's still solving problems. And all of this comes because the faith. Uh, the faith of this, this Midianite, this outsider, someone who's not even part of God's family. It all comes from uh, the faith of a priest from there, someone who's an idolater, who spent their entire life pointing people away from the one true God. Or perhaps the most offensive and shocking to some of you in here, it starts with the faith of a father-in-law. I want to leave us with, with this. There, there have been far too many stories of people who claim that they're doing anything that they have to do for the gospel, for the name of Jesus, that they get this little bit of power, this little bit of authority, and they go even further than Moses did, where they let that grow until they're the one with all the power. Or someone starts out with, with the best of intentions, and yet they end up doing whatever it is that they have to do to keep hold of their power that they have. And we hear these stories of people who are doing all of this for the church, all of this for the gospel, and very few stories of Jethro's who tell them that what they're doing is not right. So we hear of stories, or maybe you've seen firsthand the abuse of power, the abuse of people, as these leaders burn themselves out, as they burn out those around them, and everything and everyone that comes into contact with them gets destroyed. But Jethro gives us a different picture. Jethro shows us what wisdom is, the the humility and boldness to speak into that situation. And I pray for us that we are a church like that. That when we see people acting in a way that's not wise, that clearly goes against what God would have us for as a church or a leader who's clearly taking on more than what God has called them to do. Maybe even a leader who's currently talking to you may we have the humility and the boldness to speak wisely into that situation. Or or maybe it's even outside of the church. It could be with a spouse or a friend or in the workplace where we see things clearly going against what God would have us to do. May we boldly and humbly speak to that situation. Because here's the question, where might God have uniquely placed you to bring about correction? Think of what needed to happen for Jethro to be there on that day. Moses needed to flee from Egypt, to go to Midian, to find a wife there, Jethro's daughter. Moses needed to be called by God to go to Egypt, to send his daughter and uh, his wife and, and two sons back to his father-in-law. Jethro needed to hear of what it is that God has done. He needed to go and bring them back to his son-in-law, Moses. You need to stick around for the next day. All of these steps needed to happen for Jethro to be perfectly situated to bring Moses back within God's correction. Where might you be uniquely situated where God might use you to bring about correction as well? See, as we trust in this God, as we put our faith in him, this faith enables us to, to grow in wisdom, the ability to know and do what is right in God's sight. But also with it comes the ability to bring people back to what is wise. But as we do so, we follow the example of Jethro. It's not just what we think is right. It's not just what, telling people what, what we think they ought to be doing, but it's, it's bringing people into what God has called for us to be doing. As we do so, we do it with humility and boldness, bringing correction. Some of us in here are so good at humility that we never actually get around to bringing correction. Others in here have no problem, boldly speaking, and yet we're shocked when we look around and we don't find anyone willing to put into practice what we say. But Jethro shows us that it needs to be both. And that all of us have the ability to go astray. You, me, Moses. And we need people to bring us back into God's direction in those times. God might use us to bring people back into God's direction, but as we do so, we follow this example that Jethro gives us. We speak with humility, with boldness. Bring in correction. Let me pray for us. Father, it's so good to be back at this church, your church, as we remind each other of what you're doing here, what you're doing on the other campuses, what you're doing across this world, that these stories are so powerful as they shape us. And we're grateful that as we are seeking to follow after you, as we're seeking to be people of faith, that you have not left us to try to figure out what that looks like on our own, but you have given us stories. Stories like that of Jethro, a man who has made mistakes, a man who was pointing people away from you before, and yet you brought him close to you, and you used him to bring people back to where you would have them. Let us be people like Jethro, who as we grow in trust in you, as we continue to follow after you faithfully, that that produces in us wisdom. Let us be uh, more and more wise the more that we follow after you to know what it is that you would have us do. But let us also be willing to follow your directions to see where you might use us to bring about correction. From the humility that comes from you, from the boldness that comes from you, we are so grateful at the prospect that you might use us to bring people back. We are so grateful that you have used people to bring us back. Thank you for the story of Jethro, this father-in-law of faith. As we leave here, may we grow more and more in your image and your likeness shaped by you. So it's you that we pray, amen. How great. Can I have you all grab a seat for just one second? And I can hear your dread already. Oh, how long will this go on? Just 40 or so minutes until the next service, so you know we have to be done by then. Uh, just want to, to remind us of something. As you might have known, we have been uh, short-staffed here at, at Calvary Thornton uh, back at the end of March, Matthew Mashad who was overseeing our community life, uh, saw that it was a great time to head back to Minnesota where he's from, just had his, his uh, first child and, and wanted to be around family. Uh, one thing that we're grateful for is he just took a position. I didn't get his permission to share this, so don't tell him that I not do it. He just took a position in Minnesota, so grateful that he has been able to find something there. Um, We've been praying for him, so, so glad for this next position that he's had. But uh, we've been searching throughout to see who would take over our community life ministries here. Everything from parking lot to membership. This is cafe connection, uh, starting points, men's, women's uh, ministries, life groups. It's a, it's a big role. I know because I've been trying to do it in addition to my role and uh, I've been very effective at not doing anything well while trying to take all of this on. Uh, I am really grateful to say that we have hired a director of community life, Justin Hudnall. So. Let, let me share a little bit about what this would look like uh, for a little bit. Uh, obviously, this this means that there's a different opening. We're just shuffling pieces around. Uh, but what Justin has agreed to do, he's going to continue to help oversee our worship arts uh, as we are looking f- to fill that position now. But uh, eventually, and, and at least uh, partially in the interim, Justin will step into these ministries to offer leadership and guidance and getting to give them the focus that, that we've uh, unfortunately have been neglecting since the end of March. So I'm, I'm really excited to have Justin joining the team. He's been part of Calvary since even before Erie, and, and I love your heart for this church, your heart for God's people, and so excited to continue to partner in, in this new way, that's what I'm excited about this. What, what are you excited about this, this new uh, position? All of you guys.
1: Um, yeah, uh, my heart is just for this church and every person I meet and every relationship that's built is just a blessing to my life, my family's life. And so I'm just really looking forward. God's
0: opened some doors, um, kind of opened my heart and has given me a lot of excitement. And Zach and I have been you know, tossing ideas together and we're just super excited to see what God's doing. And
1: how I can serve in this capacity. So I'm really excited. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to sharing life and community and loving God together with all of you. Yeah.
0: I think this is going to be great for us. Uh, Afterwards, please continue to come up and and share your excitement for Justin in this role. I I think he's going to do a terrific job. But uh, in everything that we want to do, we we want God to be working throughout it. So uh, can you all stand with me? Extend an arm to Justin if you're comfortable with that. Would love to just pray over Justin as he's stepping into this new role starting tomorrow. (laughs) Yes. You knew that, right? Perfect. Yes. Yes. Father, we are so grateful for the man that you have made Justin to be. His heart for, for your people, your church is so evident as he has this posture of doing whatever it is that you might be calling him to do, whatever it is for your people. We are grateful for this willingness to step into this position to see what the gifts that you have put in him will have a benefit and, uh, to the people as a whole. We are so excited to see what you will do through him as he cares for your people, for your glory, under your ability. So it's to you that we pray. Amen. Remember, next week, bring a lawn chair. We are out on the lawn for it. Uh, it is a family worship service, so with no kids' ministry for it. We will all get to be together, excited to get to do that, 9 a.m. as we do that. As you go out, you may know more and more of this God who produces in us wisdom, the ability to know what is right in his sight, the ability to call people back to his way. Let us be people of humility, of boldness as we bring correction in the places where God might have placed us to do so. Have a good rest of your Sunday. See you next week.